Welcome back to Held and Healed. This podcast is a resource filled with resources to help you on your healing journey, especially for women who are rebuilding their lives after abuse. Most of the topics we cover are focusing on domestic violence, spiritual abuse, and then I always, always, always want to give you hopeful, helpful healing resources. So that's kind of the main The main focus of this podcast. Last week I recorded um, about gratitudes and goodness glimmers. That was a lot of fun just to take a little break from some of the heavy stuff. And um, I was thinking maybe once a month I could do like a more, you know, light topic that pertains to maybe a wider group of people Um, because I do also have a passion for young people and being on the proactive side and helping them to avoid some of the pitfalls that some of us made, like if I knew them, what I know now kind of stuff. So I may be kind of thinking about that. I have a really long list of topics that I want to cover. I do want to get back to interviews as well, but sometimes adding scheduling and interviewing and stuff like that to my plate is just more than I can handle. So just sitting here off the top of my head, I have no notes today. Like some days I just come and I just shoot straight and hope that I cover everything I want to cover. And there's a little bit more preparation that comes and planning and research that comes when I do interviews. But I do have some amazing people that I want to interview. I have a few that I want to re-interview that I've interviewed in the past. If you haven't already, scroll back to the start of this. Um, I was doing interviews pretty regularly in the beginning. And you can catch some wonderful, wonderful interviews with people that um, I love and respect. And they have a lot of good stuff to say. So this also is a wonderful resource for helpers. So maybe you are not a survivor of abuse, but you love survivors and you care about them. And sometimes you're just like, yeah, I just don't even know what to say that's going to make things better or worse. I don't know how to help. I don't know practical ways. And so this is a great way to learn, to know better, to do better. It's also a resource that you can take and meet up face-to-face with survivors. So in our group, um, the last couple days, we've been talking a little bit more about what we share out in cyberspace. So this could be text, this could be emails, messenger threads, different apps where you message people back and forth, private or public. Did you know that in some situations, in some states, in some cases, everything can be called into evidence? So for instance, a woman who is asking me for resources and says that she's a survivor of domestic violence, that can actually be used in court, twisted, turned around and used against her. And so I really encourage women to wait until they're at a safe place away from their abuser, maybe through um, you know, some of the court stuff before they even come into a group like Held and Healed. And it's more focused on rebuilding after the abuse and I do not for one moment claim to be an expert in safety or legal matters. That is not my lane. There are people who can help. Um, I refer to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. Um, I believe that Psalm 82 initiative is a good resource as well if you are needing some information about safety. I'm trying to think of a couple others. Obviously, your local law enforcement, if they are safe and if they are listening, sometimes your abuser is connected to local law enforcement and that does not work. So if local does not listen, then you need to go to maybe the state level and just keep going until someone takes you seriously. So don't just give up. If you live in a smaller town like I do, and maybe he is in with the sheriff's office or in with the state police or whatever, like... I know those situations exist. You just keep going till you find somebody who will listen to you and take you seriously. And um, this podcast is something that you could just meet up with a survivor uh, in a public place or a park or something, and you could help her choose an episode to listen to. So maybe it's not safe for her to listen on her device. Um, if she's listening on a platform that does not remove her history, it could it could put her in danger. Being inside of our group could put her in danger. So just meet up and let her scroll through the topics and then listen to an episode together and talk through it. So 
I want this resource to help many. I don't claim to be an expert on any topic that I cover. I just barely scratch the surface of each topic and then give you resources to go do digging and learning on your own because we are all capable of coming out of the darkness and reclaiming what was taken from us. Um, we, we have so much more power and strength and wisdom than our abusers want us to believe. And the more that we educate ourselves, the more that we read about the, the different systems, forms, patterns of abuse, the more that we learn about coercive control, covert and overt abuse, the more that we learn about the 18, if you haven't listened yet, I did a two-part series, the 18 forms of abuse. Wow. Could we just start teaching our young people about that so they can recognize it and know that they don't have to stay? Last week, I did an episode about um, gratitudes and goodness and, and, and gratitudes and goodness glimmers. And I'm telling you, it was a lot of fun to do an episode that was lighter and more hopeful. And I thought, you know, maybe once a month I need to do a topic like that that is, it reaches a broader audience of people. And I really want to focus on being proactive for young people. So at least once a month, maybe even twice a month, I'm going to be thinking about all of these college students that I know and love that I've come to to know through an organization that I worked with for over a decade. A lot of them are really questioning um, the way that they were brought up in the church, especially they're questioning fundamentalism and conservative and evangelical just beliefs, the toxicity of purity culture and modesty messages and you have to believe the way we say or you're going straight to hell like there's so many young people in my life like that so I think I'm going to start recording more episodes at least once a month that I can just send to them like mama b would love to sit and have a conversation with you since I can't mama bear is gonna just record this and send it to you because this is a way I can have a conversation so yeah, it was really fun to do that podcast last week. I am inviting you ladies to join us for the third annual Held and Healed Retreat, which is online. So more people from more of a distance can attend this year. It will be recorded. So the beauty is that you do not have to grab everything live. You can always go back and listen to the recordings and take notes. And the first time through, you can just sit and soak. And walk away with a couple nuggets. And so super excited because we are focusing on the nervous system. And this is going to be a powerful, I am so excited. It's been a while since I've put on something that I was just like giddy. I'm like giddy right now. And we are talking about rest, regulate, and reset of the nervous system. And Sarah McDougall is our keynote speaker. We also have another special guest, um, I need to get permission before I release the name. Um, I keep forgetting to ask, but we have another special guest that's going to be helping us. And the live event, if you so choose to participate, is September 8th and 9th. We will kick it off on a Friday night with a an online girls' night in pajama party. So if you're able to register and then get a friend who lives close by to register, you can still have a little mini getaway retreat. I still want this to be... A time where you take care of yourself, you do something special for yourself, maybe get a little Airbnb or go away for a couple nights to the beach. Uh, Maybe you don't want to go to the beach because we're going to have a lot of like online content. You might want to save the beach for a different weekend, but do something special. Schedule a massage or a pedicure or take yourself out for your favorite meal or something around this weekend and treat it as though it were still a getaway. Because we are a little bit sad that we don't get to do this in person. But this, for my health and for Sarah's health, was the best option this year. And I think from now on, I will probably be doing these online once a year. And we also have a group that has two months of content with two more months coming where I'm preparing you and giving you the groundwork and just some vocabulary about the nervous system so it won't just all be brand new terms. There'll still be tons and tons and tons of new content because if you know Sarah, you know that 
working with her, learning from her, sitting under her is like drinking from a fire hose. It is coming at you fast and it's lots of great information and you're going to be glad to have those videos to go back and listen to. But I'm giving you weekly content in this group ahead of time. So go ahead and get registered. Don't wait. We're keeping this relatively small and intimate. So when it's to the limit of where I want it to be, I'm going to cut off registration. So don't delay. Don't think that's two months out. I've got time because you may not. And I'm really, really excited. So you can just go to my website, click on the retreat tab, heatherelizabeth.org, click on the retreat tab, and all the details are there. Get yourself registered, and we'll get you added to the group so you can catch up on the May and the June content. And I'm already putting the July um, stuff there. So today, I have absolutely no notes, but I have a topic on my heart that is very personal, and I think I can do this without notes. Again, I will never cover every single topic and every single point that there is on the topics that I share, but I just want to give you a little bit of information and then you go do with that what you will. So today, I have a message for stay-at-home mamas. So my disclaimer is this. If you are not a stay-at-home mama, this is not a slam at you at all. I know that not everyone feels called to this and not everyone has the, I don't want to call it the luxury because that kind of minimizes um, how amazing and how difficult it is to be a stay-at-home mom. Not everyone has the the option. Many, many people who are going to listen to this are single mamas and you just do not have that. That um, is not an option for you. And Again, this is not saying that if you don't stay at home with your kids that you are less than, not at all, not at all. But there are a lot of women that are in Held and Healed that were and are stay-at-home moms. And this is kind of a if I knew them what I know now type of a message. So my story is that I grew up with a lot of responsibility. I grew up with way too much responsibility. By the age of eight years old, I was pretty much able to do most of the household tasks. There were obviously some. I was tiny. I was very, very petite, very um, waif, waif-like, like just very thin and tiny and not super physically strong, right? So there were some tasks, obviously, I could not do, but (laughs) most things I could. So a very typical day would be chores, chores, and more chores. Um, Educationally, I went to public school first, second, and third grade. I was homeschooled fourth and fifth. And then I was put back in public school for sixth. And then from seventh through twelfth grade, I went to a local private Mennonite school. So, um, and when I say Mennonite, it was more of a liberal. It wasn't a conservative Mennonite. So just to give you a little bit of Yeah, it was more of a a liberal, very, very, um, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't like coverings and old order, even though that is very common in our community and that would have been an option. It was one of the more, um, liberal Mennonite schools. Okay. So that's just like my history. So if I wasn't at school or I wasn't doing school, I was probably doing chores. I mean, that sounds dramatic. That sounds pathetic. It was my reality. Now, there are some who would say that that's not a valid memory, but I've learned in my adult years that that's called gaslighting and that my memories are indeed valid and they are my memories. So I, by age eight, um, and the reason I can remember that age is because that's when my youngest brother came along and I was given tons of additional responsibility in caring for him. So I was just thinking the other day, like how, and probably it's Probably it is. I was like, how is my right hip not permanently angled upward and my whole body like off balance? And it probably is because a little eight-year-old carrying around a baby that became a toddler, that became a two-year-old, you know, like that was a lot of weight for me as a little eight-year-old, nine-year-old to carry on my hip. And I just was forever tilted upward, you know, with my hip, trying to get my hip to hold him. I was cooking, I was cleaning, I was washing dishes, I was hanging laundry on the line, I was folding laundry, I was organizing. So a lot of people will comment on how organized I am. 
how organized I like to be because right now I'm not and how tidy I like for things to be. But I realized is that that was the only way that I would ever really get any free time to play or to just be a child is I had to develop very effective and efficient systems. And even when I did play, guess what I played? I played house, I played store, and I played mom. I didn't even have an imagination outside of that identity. And if you would ask me when I was a little girl what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have always said a mom. That's it. I didn't know until I was 11, 12 years old that becoming a mom involved having a boy, a daddy. You know, like I didn't know that. I just thought you drank a lot of milk and you got pregnant and you had a baby. That's honestly what I thought as a child. So I was just going to grow up and be a mommy. And nothing else appealed to me. Nothing else called to me. Which is pretty amazing because a lot of times when you have a lot of responsibility or you come from a home with, you know, four or more kiddos, which there were four in my home and I was the firstborn, you don't want to be a mom and you don't want a big family. But I always, always, always knew that I wanted to be a mom. Now, there were a couple things I considered that I might want to pursue. I considered, I thought I might want to be like a professional singer at one point. Um, music singing was very important to me and, you know, singing in church specifically singing, you know, to honor God, it wasn't something I, in high school, I sang in a talent show. I did a wine and a Judd song and I totally, totally bomb tanked it like horrible. It was horrible. And I felt like it was God like punishing me for singing something that wasn't religious and spiritual. And I was like, I will never sing another song that isn't about Jesus, which was just tied into the legalism and the mindset that I was raised in. Um, yeah, silly, silly me. It wasn't a bad song. It was just a country song instead of a Christian song. And it was embarrassing. I did not do well with it. So I may have said I wanted to be like a professional singer. I may have said that I had thought at one point about becoming a counselor, but always, 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 it was a mom. I wanted to be a mom. So fast forward to dating, engagement, marriage, and I had some part-time jobs. Um, I was a nanny. See, there you go. I was a missionary who served children. Like children have always been a part of my story and the nurturer in me. Um, my youngest brother that I took care of even called me mommy when he was like two and in high school, I was basically the class mom, the class counselor in youth group. Everybody called me mom, even if they were only a year younger, two years younger than me. Like I just, it was just what I did. I just took care. I mommed. (laughs) It's a verb. It's a verb apparently. So I never really considered a career that wasn't important to me, being a mom and raising my children and giving them what I did not have. So part of my story for two years was homeschooling. And it was basically like, here's your work, go do your work. And here's your teacher's guide, go check your work. And I knew that I wanted to homeschool, but I wanted to give my kids a very rich experience. I wanted to give them hands-on learning. I wanted to give them field trips and co-ops and, and things that were not what I had. So while again, I could have had a bad taste in my mouth and said, heck no, my kids aren't going to be homeschooled. Um, instead I had this deep desire to give them something that I just wished I had had. So fast forward to marriage and two years to the day of our anniversary, we were expecting the due date of our firstborn. So there wasn't a whole lot of time, um, in there to pursue a career or, um, anything of that nature, which for me at the time was fine. That's what I wanted. I wanted to be a mama. And the pregnancy was horrible. Um, I was sick, 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 sick the whole pregnancy. Lost weight before I gained weight, about 15 pounds. Was hospitalized for dehydration. Needed seven liters of fluid. That's how sick I was. And yet I was told that it was all in my head. So you go do the math on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that sweet, sweet boy um, came two weeks past the due date and um, came on his own terms. August hot as heck and I left my nanny job to be a stay-at-home mama. So I'm grateful that I got to be there for my firstborn and that I got to hold him every day as long as I wanted and I got to 
you know, breastfeed and I got to be present. And basically we just stared at each other for that first year of life. You know, I had that opportunity and I had that ability and I don't believe I did anything for income at that point. I do know that at some point before I found out I was pregnant with the twins, I was working again in a daycare. I've worked in several several daycares. And my, ba- my baby boy was able to go with me. And that's why that job worked out. And then I got pregnant with the twins. And I was sick, 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 sick with the twins. And um, had a toddler to keep up with. And He would follow me into the bathroom when I was sick and he would pat me on the back and say, it'd be all white, mama, it'd be all white. And sweetly enough, he actually said to me, two babies, mama, before we ever heard that from the doctor. Now, I don't know how he knew we hadn't been around twins, but my toddler knew that there were two babies in there before we knew. And then, of course, they came along, and I had three in diapers, three in car seats, didn't sleep through the night for four years. So if you are that mama right now who hasn't slept through the night for years, I want you to know I see you. It is so hard to function. It is so hard to focus. It is so hard to feel like a real human being when you're not getting good sleep. Um, so yeah, four solid years. And I know, I know there are you, there are those of you out there who have been 20 years without sleep through the night. So four years doesn't sound like much, but for me, it was really wearing on my mental state and I never felt rested. And I just, I experienced PPD, postpartum depression with the second pregnancy, but I didn't know what it was. It didn't have a name, didn't have a name, you know, and I didn't have resources and I didn't, I didn't know what to call it and nobody was really talking about it. I asked my doctor if I needed medication. He said I didn't. So, you know, what are you supposed to do? You're just the patient and you just do what they tell you to do because that's what you're taught to do. And I always wanted to homeschool, as I mentioned before, but um, the father of my children was vehemently opposed and used the whole, you know, they're socially awkward and just all the classic, all the classic things that you hear. Um, by the way, a child can be socially awkward regardless of what type of schooling they have. And being socialized is not just about being able to hold on a conversation with your peer group. Being truly socialized is being able to be with people way younger, your peer group, and way older and have conversations and maintain some, you know, form of eye contact. I mean, I know that for some people because of trauma or people on the spectrum, like the eye contact thing is never going to be an easy, an easy thing. But most kids who are truly socialized and who are around a variety of ages of people are able to just sit down and have a conversation with someone their grandparents age, someone their parents age, their age, and then younger children. So don't, don't come at me with that whole unsocialized, um, argument. As a matter of fact, I don't think too many people are going to come at me in this day and age about homeschooling more and more people for a variety of reasons are choosing that option. And, there are so many resources. There are so many curricula that are out there. I think that's how you say plural curriculum <laughs> um, that are out there. When I was homeschooled, it was Rod and Staff or Rebecca. Those were your options. Now it's overwhelming how much great, you know, how many great uh, resources and options there are. You can piece it together. You can um, a la carte your way through. You can say, I've heard really great things about this math curriculum. So we're going with this for math. And then I really, really love unit studies. So we chose My Father's World. And that covered everything, I think, except language arts and math. And I loved it because it was on a five-year cycle. You could teach the basics to all your children, regardless of their ages. And then you would make their assignments grade appropriate. And then your littles might end up repeating us a particular unit. So the the um history and the science and the bible and whatever else it all was thematic through the year and then you would go on to the next segment and if needed you could come back and repeat so we used um 
we used a Becca the first year. We used their DVD school. Super expensive, lots of busy work. Kids were just getting burnt out on worksheets, and that just wasn't that wasn't for us. And then the next year, we went My Father's World, teaching textbooks for math. I highly recommend that. And then for high school, we switched to Switch on Schoolhouse. So that's just what our experience was. If um, I had to choose now, there would be a lot of other options. Anyway, I'm getting way, way ahead of myself talking about homeschooling. Uh, But more and more people are going that route because of how unsafe the system is, because of beliefs that are being um, very much forced upon children who are not mature enough and old enough to be talking about certain topics. There's just, there's a huge variety here in Virginia. um, We have the SOLs. And so a lot of the focus just began, became all about the test and passing that test and teachers no longer could use their individual passions and styles to teach. They were concerned about teaching for this test and a lot of teachers are dropping out because they can't stand that focus and testing does not reveal for a lot of kids what their true um, levels are. A lot of kids freeze up in testing and so we went the route where we um, just gave our kids freedom and in elementary most of middle school they'd be done by noon and the boys would play with Legos. They would play with Legos for hours every single day. Then for high school we did their switched on schoolhouse curriculum and then they went to a local tech school where they were able to explore some hands-on trades. So if I had it to do all over again, so I was a mama of three, <clears throat> under the age of three, in diapers, in car seats, not sleeping through the night, <clears throat> and I had no real outside contact other than church, and we were involved in a church that was very cult-like. Um, I'm just going to say it was a cult, because when you look at the definitions of what a cult is, it checked off most of the boxes, so I'm just going to call it that. I'm going to stop. I'm just going to stop lightening that and lessening that because it was very controlling and it told us, it just had the leaders thought they had power and control over us, told us what we could and could not do. And you were kind of expected if you were any kind of leadership to be there three and four times a week. And if you weren't, you felt like you were having spiritual FOMO and missing out and, um, even though I was a stay-at-home mom, I missed a lot of bedtime tuck-ins and things like that, which I highly regret because you can't get those moments back because I felt pressured, pressured, pressured. There was hierarchy. There was a chain of command. Um, There's just so many things, so many things. It was very male-dominant and toxic patriarchy, male headship, no awareness of trauma and abuse or a desire to know that. Basically, pray away your problems, read your Bible, and your problems will go away. The message to women when they came forward about abuse and or adultery was pray more, give sex more, uh, nag less, submit more. So many of you know what I'm talking about. That was that was the type of church that I was involved in. And so even though I did not have a paid job, I volunteered and probably for 30 years, I volunteered anywhere from five to 10 hours a week for various organizations. And when you go back and you add that up, what that could have been if I had been pursuing some type of a, a job at home or an income stream at home, that would have been a lot of money. But I didn't know my value. I didn't know my worth. And these people surely did not give me value or worth or acknowledge that. And so I thought I was only good enough to be a volunteer. So I would say, first off, if you're going to be a stay-at-home mom, find a way to, re- to generate revenue, uh, income. Find a way to have something at home and, if possible, multiple income streams. The value of having multiple options is so good so that if one thing tanks out or doesn't work for you, you've got another. Now, I know that adding that to the list of being a mama is crazy. I know that. I know that just being a stay-at-home mom, and I'm sorry, let me remove that word, that being a stay-at-home mom is a probably two or three full-time jobs. Let's 
think about this. If you were to hire someone by the hour to care for your child, do you know what that costs right now? And you're doing this almost 24 hours a day. You may be getting some sleep at night. So let's say 20 hours a day, you're doing this. And if you multiply that by on the low end, $15 an hour, that's a lot of money. All right. So if you have a piece of paper and you want to take some notes right now, put childcare at the top and put 15 to $20 an hour. Okay. Then you are also preparing meals probably a couple times a day and look up in your area what it costs to hire a private chef to cook and put that amount down. And you're probably doing laundry a couple times a week. Look up in your area what it would cost if you were to pay someone to do your laundry a couple times a week. You are probably running kids back and forth places. So look up in your area what an Uber costs. <laughs> okay? Are you are you starting to get what I'm saying here? If you are homeschooling, take some of the hours from the childcare category and put that in what private school would cost. Oh my gosh. If you have kids at home and you're homeschooling, like kids that aren't um, school age yet, you could double up. You could double up. You could be getting paid for childcare and the private education. All right, so all I mentioned right there was childcare, education, food prep, laundry, and chauffeuring. We are not even talking about all the other things that a mom does in a day. She's a referee. She's a principal if she's homeschooling. She is the kid's counselor. (laughs) Like there are so many things that you do for your child in a day. So think about the things you do and look up your local area and what the hourly rate is. And you tell me if somebody was paying you what you're worth. Tell me. That number would be astounding. Housekeeper. Oh my gosh. How did I forget that one? If you are paying a good housekeeper right now, they are probably between $30 and $50 an hour, depending on your, your area where you live. And I know you are probably cleaning up at least an hour a day. All right? And then a couple times a week, you're probably doing the deeper cleaning. So give yourself a housekeeping budget, okay? And then add all of that up. And if at any point, the person that you are married to <laughs> says to you that you're just a stay-at-home mom, or you're just a homeschool mama, say, well, this is what I would be worth if I was charging for my services. Do not let anyone, whether it is your spouse, your child, your family members, your friends, your church, do not let anyone tell you that what you do is less than. That is my first message to all stay-at-home mamas. You are doing one of the hardest jobs on the face of the earth. Is it one of the best jobs? Yes. But it is also one of the hardest because you are not getting a break. Most of you are not getting a break. And if you are, it's just an hour here or there. It's not anything substantial. And in the midst of it, you're probably working through your own trauma. You're probably working through patterns and systems of of abuse that have led you to this place. Like it's it's not just that you can focus your energy on your kids. You're also trying to heal and grow and learn. And that in and of itself is a lot of work. So if you're going to be at home and stay at home, think outside of the box. What is one way or what are two ways that I can earn an income? Sometimes just getting out of the house for a couple of hours in the evenings or on the weekends can give you a new lease on life and getting a new set scenery. So something like, um, and I just lost all the, the food delivery, um, DoorDash, Uber Eats. I think there's a third one, something like that, or Instacart. I'm not really a fan of Uber because I would never want strangers in my vehicle and I don't want, I don't want that safety feature, but something that involves more of a delivery service. If you can find a part-time job that uses skills or maybe a degree that you already have, maybe you have an accounting degree and you just work a couple hours a week for a local accounting firm. Um, If you are a teacher, you know, do what you need to do to keep your licenses and certifications and all that up to date. Don't let those, if you are a nurse, don't let those things expire. Do what you need to, 
Because even if you live with a very good and safe and loving husband, you don't know if sickness or, God forbid, death or some other catastrophe, an accident, could keep him from working. So this is even bigger than just speaking to abuse survivors. This is saying to all women, have a plan so that if at some point you need to go back to work, part-time or full-time, you are able to just step into or ease into. Now, since 2020, so many jobs are offering virtual online work from home options. So that used to be scoffed at, that used to be looked down upon. Now it's becoming way more normal. So maybe there's something in your field. I know someone right now who's getting certified as a medical coder. They make really good money and there are companies that will allow you to work part-time. You don't even have to commit to full-time work. So you could homeschool in the mornings or take care of your kiddos in the mornings. And then you could pick a couple evenings a week to do medical coding and make really good money by the hour. Some organizations will hire you to be their tech support, their virtual assistant, anything of that nature from home. And you don't even have to go to them. Maybe on occasion you would have to go in for a meeting or you would have to travel, but most of your work could be done from home. Some people can't work from home because of all the distractions. So if you're going to do this, you need to make sure you have a designated workspace and that your spouse is willing to um, make sure the kids stay away and don't distract you and aren't interrupting calls and your work time. But in some families, this works very, very well. So think outside the box. If you are an educator, maybe you can do private tutoring. People pay really good money for online or in-person tutoring for their kids. You can do childcare. Sometimes, not always, sometimes if it's the right fit, having one extra kid can actually make it easier. If they are a good fit for your family, if they are someone who comes in and has an understanding of your house rules and your boundaries, expectations and they're close in age to your kiddo sometimes having that playmate for your child makes your load lighter it's got to be the right fit I would always have a contract to make sure that they pay I would get a lot of references from people that you trust that these are people who are going to pay their bill every single week I would have things like is food included or do they need to bring their own food what your late pickup policy is. Like you want to have all that clearly lined out ahead of time so that people are not using you, taking advantage of you and going and running a bunch of errands and going out with their girlfriends while you've given them a a daily rate of, do you guys want to know what I made? I made $25 a day, you guys, in someone's home for eight hours. I was making $3 an hour as a full-time nanny. Not cool. (laughs) people are making that by the hour right now, okay? So we need to find something in the middle of that. So make sure you are covered legally and you have a good um, contract and make sure it's legally binding. And at any point that it's not working out for you, you can say, this is not working out for me. You do not have to continue working with a family that isn't a good fit. Make sure that's in the clause in the contract as well. Um... Yes. And another thing too is, I don't know who needs to hear this. I don't get in the middle of that. I do not refer people for childcare or pet care because I don't know who people are behind closed doors. There were only less than probably a handful of people that I left my children with when they were little. I am very particular. And um, when someone asked me to refer The best thing I can say is I know a certain person and I have certain friends that went to this provider and they had a good experience. But I do not want to be in the middle of two friends if this goes sideways. I don't. And I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. And I'm not there as a fly on the wall to tell you if this person is safe. And I wouldn't send my kid there or my grandkid there. So I can't. I just can't in good faith say to send you. So... Maybe somebody needs to hear that. Maybe you've been asked to give references for people and you don't feel comfortable. Um, 
just be careful even with references when you are seeking out if someone is good. I would get professional and personal references. I would find out how long they've been doing it. I would talk to previous families who have worked with them because that's where you're going to get probably the better feel. And if they stayed with this provider until their kids started school, then they probably are going to give a good reference. If they pulled their kids out, they may or may not feel comfortable telling you why. So just be very, very careful. If you haven't listened to my podcast on keeping kids safe, um, it was more of an institutional type of a topic, but a lot of that would still pertain and in so much more with people that you're going to leave your kids with in their homes. Make sure the neighborhood that they're staying in is safe. Um, there's just a lot. There's a lot of considerations. So look for an income stream that you can do while your kids are little. I have friends who are incredible cooks and they do meal prep for people. I have friends that are very gifted in baking and one mama actually bakes while her kids nap and she makes the most beautiful, beautiful cookies that are decorated. Like you don't want to eat them. They're so pretty kind. Um, I have friends who do childcare. I have friends who tutor. I'm trying to think of what some of the things are. I have one friend that worked part-time overnight as a mother's helper. So when her kids were sleeping and her husband was home with the kids, she would go just one or two shifts a week. She would stay. And she worked through an agency, but you could do this without an agency. You could do any type of in-home health care, you know, and just work individually. I shouldn't say health care. Well, those of you with a license could, but companion care. And hopefully it's someone who does sleep through the night. So you're getting paid basically to sleep with one eye open. It's not the most restful sleep, but it's not the hardest job either. Um, Maybe you could go into someone's home during the day and do meal prep and um, laundry and light chores or help them run errands. Um, Sometimes you can do that on your own. Sometimes you can work with an agency to do that. So whatever your skill set is, I have friends that are gifted with musical degrees and they do online lessons or in person, piano, vocal, etc. Violin. I have a friend that's a violin instructor. You can work those things around your schedule, a couple of shifts or a couple of appointments a week and have that supplemental. It may only be $100 a week, which translates to 400 a month, but that's something. And if at any point you need to back off or sorry you need to dig in deeper you've already got a client base established you've got reputation out there word of mouth so find some way to earn income from home and then the other thing that's really really important is get familiar with the patterns and systems of abuse because so many cultures where being a stay-at-home mom is greatly encouraged where homeschooling is greatly encouraged a lot of those women are brainwashed to believe that they have to stay no matter what. They are taught that their communities will disown them. They're taught that God will hate them. Get familiar with the forms of abuse. And I shared that in a two-part series a couple of episodes back. And learn to know what those patterns and those systems and those forms are for yourself and for others. Share with other homeschool stay-at-home mamas, what psychological abuses, what spiritual abuses, what mental, verbal, and financial is very big in these communities where he makes the paycheck, the bigger paycheck, and he knows where everything's going and she knows very little. She may not even know what the mortgage is. Get that information. You have the right to know what he makes, what he earns. You have the right to know what your mortgage is. You have the right to have more than a small budget for groceries. Financial abuse is rampant in these communities. So if it is safe to do so, and I know that with an abuser, it's not always safe and you can't demand anything, but if if it is safe to do so, ask to be involved in the finances as much as possible. If you are in a situation where you are in danger and you need help sorting out finances and you want to prepare for a life-saving divorce, I highly recommend Deborah Doak. You can just Google her name and her website will pop up. You can follow her on social media. Facebook and Instagram is where I follow her. 
And my nonprofit actually helps to pay for women to go through a group coaching experience with her called Divorce Financial Foundations. And she is amazing. She has so many certifications, so many credentials. She understands what women go through in these situations and she wants to empower and equip you to be successful. And a lot of times you do not need litigation. You don't need to drop tens of thousands of dollars on a lawyer, but mediation may work in a lot of situations. So she teaches you how to become familiar with income and get a disclosure of what incomes and assets there are and what to ask for in the divorce settlement and what you have the right to. Every state is different, so you have to go to your, you know, your local state and find out. So have an income source, be financially aware, know your value, know your worth, know that you could not ever be paid and compensated enough for what you do as a stay-at-home mom. Now, I'm not speaking of the ones that don't take care of their kids. I mean, I know. I know that those situations exist. (laughs) I know those situations exist. Um, A lot of times kids are raising themselves in these situations or kids are running the house in these situations. Um, But I'm talking about the mamas who get up every day, bone weary to the bone, dead dog tired, probably didn't sleep much through the night and they serve and they care for and they love and they protect and they honor their kids all day long. Those are the mamas I'm speaking to. If you had a mother who was neglectful, if you had a mother who was abusive, if you had a mother who did the bare bare minimum so that child protective services wasn't called, that's not who I'm speaking to. I'm speaking to the mamas who give and give and give and give and give and give. And I just want you to know that you are valuable. And the mamas who go out and work a job all day and then come home and give and give and give and give and give. You are valuable. Like you are. I'm not saying you are less than. I know some of you would love to be able to stay at home and you cannot because of the circumstances. And I'm sorry that that's not an option for you. You you miss your kids. And for me, homeschooling made me feel like I was getting back the best of them because they would go to school all day long and behave well for teachers and for other students and they'd come home and they would just be exhausted and grumpy and then we still had to get through homework and we still had to get through all kinds of stuff I was still probably spending as much time this is not a joke I was still probably spending as much time with my kids doing homework as I would have if I had homeschooled them Seriously, if you were doing two or three hours of homework a night with your kids, you can homeschool them in that same amount of time. So I was like, why are my kids going to this private school all day long and coming home with homework? This is not fair. I wanted to steal back time and I wanted more time with my kids and homeschooling gave me that option. I don't regret being a stay-at-home mama. I don't regret being a homeschool mama. What I do regret is not knowing my value, not knowing my worth, not knowing that I I was just I was just kick kicking butt and nobody was telling me that. I had a lot of criticism. I had a lot of people that downplayed what I did. And I also did not until later did not have an income stream. So if I had that to do all over again, I would have learned about patterns and systems of abuse. I would have learned about my value and my worth as a mama, as a human being, and I would have incorporated some type of income sooner versus later. Those are the things I wish someone had told me as a stay-at-home mama 25 years ago. Holy moly, I cannot believe that. Firstborn It's about to be 24, so 25 years ago I was pregnant. Wow. When you can start measuring time... In a quarter of a century, uh, you know, you're getting, you're getting older. So mamas of all kinds, good, saving, safe, and loving mamas of all kinds. I see you. I see the mama who can be at home with her kids and is exhausted. I see the mama who can't be at home with her kids and is exhausted. I see the mama who is a survivor of abuse and trauma who's trying to work through her stuff. Oh, that's the other thing. I would get a counselor a lot sooner. I would have gotten support for myself, for my mental health sooner. Your mental health matters and you deserve the best of resources. Go back and find my episode where I talked about choosing a safe counselor or coach. 
to kind of give you some ideas of what to look for, make sure they're trauma-informed, abuse-informed, nervous system regulation trained, all the stuff. Check their credentials. They may say they're informed and they may not be the least bit. So check their credentials and where they got their training. I see you mamas. Your job is valuable. Your job is precious. And whether you are doing this completely on your own or whether you have a, a great village behind you, it's still hard. I remember being in the throes of rotavirus with three, three littles, two weeks of nonstop coming out both ends if you get my drift. And I called upon a family member for support and this person even was a nurse and they were like, did it occur to you that I wouldn't want to get sick? And I was like, did it occur to you that I haven't slept for two weeks straight and I'm about to lose my mind? And I am cleaning up messes all day long. I just finally took a sheet and laid it on the living room floor. Three pillows, six buckets, (laughs) diapers on the little ones and not on the big one because he was too big. And I just cleaned up messes and laid them back on the floor and put something else on the TV. Solid, straight through, two weeks, no break. Yep. (laughs) And I remember someone saying, but you wanted to be a mother. Okay, if somebody says that to you when you are in the throes of motherhood and you are exhausted and burnout and have no help, you can just walk away. You can just walk away from that bull crap. Yes, yes, we wanna be a mama. And yes, it is hard. And we need people to come beside us and offer us encouragement and practical help. And I pray that each of you can find that village of people that you even feel safe leaving your children with. Someone who will drop off a meal, someone who will take the kids so that you can run errands and you don't have to take them with you. Someone who will invest in your kids and come over and play with them for a couple hours while you get things done around the house. I am praying that more and more people, I told myself when I was in the throes of that, I said, God, help me to never forget and help me to always have compassion for what these mamas are going through and step in where I can. I'm limited physically in what I can and cannot do, but help me to be to others what no one was to me. Because I was alone most of my journey. I did this on my own. And I had voices like that saying, well, you wanted to be a mom? Yeah, and it's still hard. Shout out to you, mamas. I see you. I appreciate you. And if nobody else is telling you you're doing a good job, I'm gonna say thank you for being a good mama. Thank you for being a safe mama. Thank you for being a loving mama. Thank you for giving your kids what no one gave to you. Thank you for being a chain breaker and giving your kids better than what you were given. And I pray that you will feel held even as you are being healed. Blessings.